Hello once again. Welcome to another week of Football and Grits. It's Monday. That means I'm your host, David Ubbin. The Athletics National College Football writer Andy Staples is with me to go over the weekend that was in the SEC, and there was a lot. Andy and I were both out to games. The fact that we had football, I think, was a a welcome uh, sight. SEC football, college football, we're at now, what, 127 of 130 FBS teams are going to play after some uh, some some dark turns. Uh, Andy, before we get really into the show, what was it like to see some SEC ball? It felt pretty normal for about three hours. I'm not used to a situation where I can drive on an SEC campus on a game day and all the roads are wide open and I can just go right to the, the parking spot and, and walk yeah, that in. Weird. That was a little, <laughs> little odd. But once... The game kicked off between Auburn and Kentucky. It felt like football season. It, it just felt normal, and the stakes felt normal. And, you know, I think we look at around the, the league, the overreactions feel normal. I mean, Georgia people are freaking out about what the offense looked like in the first half, and uh, LSU people are freaking out about the defense giving up 600-something yards to K.J. Costello. Uh, this is this is what's supposed to be like in the fall. People just wigging out and overreacting to week one results. And that part feels pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Well, week two of the show. Thanks, everybody, for uh, those of you who have subscribed in week one. For those of you who haven't, listen, what's going on? Let's, let's correct that. Let's correct that. Leave us a review. Leave us a five-star reading. It helps the uh, show, helps get the word out. Always good. We've got a full week of content coming this week from a variety of SEC contributors. Of course, myself, uh, Andy. Uh, you know, we've got Josh Kendall covering South Carolina. Brody Miller covering LSU. They had a pretty eventful weekend. Seth Emerson it, giving you Aaron some- Suttles with that with that uh, with that Bryce Young yes, intel. Of course, he did play a little in the second of half. Of course, the future of the Alabama quarterback position is somehow always more interesting than the current Alabama quarterback position. And speaking of quarterback so, uh, quandaries, Seth Emerson giving Mac Jones. <laughs> Not giving Mac Jones enough credit, but you're right. The, the Georgia situation is going to dominate the conversation this week, I have a feeling. Listen, I respect Mac Jones, but I saw in person Jarek Arantano throw for 400 yards against Missouri's secondary, but only a few months ago. So listen, uh, Mac Jones, we'll see. He's not too uh, – can, can Alabama win a championship with him? We'll see. Aaron Suttles will have more on that. Subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't already. Listen to the show ad-free. Andy, you had the early game, Auburn, Kentucky. Uh, we didn't get Chaos Auburn. We didn't get the uh, the shocker, the uh, uh, the Kentucky stunner. We didn't see that. But what did you see? I saw two teams that were pretty prepared. I, I didn't see the sloppiness that, that you saw in a lot of the other games around the country yesterday, uh, especially in the SEC. You saw some teams that, that were knocking rust off, that, that didn't seem quite ready, that, that couldn't get lined up, that couldn't block. Auburn and Kentucky did a lot of the little things really well. Uh, both of them looked extremely prepared. They're, they didn't commit a lot of stupid penalties. It looked like Auburn just was better. And, you know, that's the interesting thing. I, I think the big takeaway for me was Bo Nix like, looked like a much more mature quarterback. There were, there were a lot of plays where last year those would have been negative plays. He would have taken a sack. He would have thrown it up for grabs. That didn't happen this year. He knows He seems to know when to throw it away. 
he seems to know when he's still got a throw to make. There was one one second and eight play in particular where uh, there was a, a Kentucky defender that, that grabbed him around the waist. He shook out of that. Another one came and was about to clobber him, and he knew he still had a throw he could make. He found Eli Stowe for a 12-yard gain, and you're thinking, okay, this guy might completely get this offense now, and if that's the case, we might not have the crazy roller coaster Auburn season. It might just be that they're good, and you know they're going to Athens next week, and we're going to find out real quick what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, we'll get into plenty more throughout the week and on this show. Uh, is are Georgia fans feeling different this week if they played Ole Miss yesterday? Well, I think their offense would have looked better. You know, Ole Miss's defense is the personnel isn't quite there to to deal with the elite teams in the SEC, and you saw that against Florida yesterday. But uh, Listen, Georgia was playing Arkansas. Mm-hmm. You should be able, given what Arkansas has been the past couple of years, if you are Georgia, and I realize they're replacing a lot of offensive linemen, but you've been recruiting five stars, so there's no excuse. Mm-hmm. You should be able at any time against a team like Arkansas, if your passing game is not working, you say, that's fine. Don't care how many you put in the box. We're going to run the ball and just blow them off the ball. They didn't do that. That's the part that worries me for Georgia because whether it's Dewan Mathis, whether it's Stetson Bennett, whether you know JT Daniels gets cleared and he's playing, if they can't open a hole for Zamir White or for James Cook or one of those backs, they're not beating teams like Alabama. They're probably not beating teams like Auburn. They, they're going to have problems. So that part needs to get fixed sooner rather than later. The quarterback situation, I thought when Stetson Bennett came in, it calmed down a little bit. He got the ball out on time. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's sort of half the battle with most of these offenses now is just get the ball out on schedule and good things will happen. But what concerns me is they couldn't just run the ball. And if you're playing Arkansas and you're Georgia, if all else fails, you should be able to just run it straight up the middle between the tackles and have no problem. Sleepwalk your way to 200. Easy, easy. And I, I think, too, you know, again, we talked about this last week. You're going to have to score points in the SEC. You can't just win every game 20 to 17. That, that was, Georgia was lucky there playing Arkansas. You know, I'm with you. I was in uh, Columbia this weekend. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't like a – it wasn't a, a depressing emptiness. It was more I, – I just think weird is the right word. You know, I've been to games before – you know, where the fans weren't really invested and the team was losing and all those things. And, and it's kind of empty and it's kind of like, man, everybody in town would rather be doing something else. That wasn't what this was. This was something that I've really never experienced before. Yeah, like I said, I, the small things, like the traffic, being able to take a loop around the stadium like very easily and like park and all those I, I things. I bet you could have gotten... I bet you could have gotten a chicken biscuit from that Bojangles <laughs> across the street from the stadium without waiting in line for 45 minutes. I mean, that that in and of itself is amazing. Let me tell you about that Bojangles. Empty. Empty Bojangles, Andy. What? <laughs> wow. I think there were like three people yeah. in there, but no line at all. I did not partake. In retrospect, I probably should have on the way back. I was a little hungry when I got you back. You could have had Cajun filet biscuits for the ride home, and that would have been Yeah. That a was a swing thing. and a miss on my part. A swing and a miss. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway, though, once the game actually started, you know, Tennessee, there wasn't really reason to believe that last year was smoke and mirrors, but I think that there's plenty of question about how good is this team really? You win six in a row. That's not nothing. But you also didn't win a game in that stretch that made people sit up and say, oh, oh, okay. 
And South Carolina doesn't give you that opportunity. But I think the thing I took away from Tennessee didn't play well, but they still won. And I think that means something. And I think especially considering all they went through uh, in, in preseason camp, missing guys, and Jeremy Pruitt was talking about they couldn't do special teams for the first like four or five days of camp because all their special teamers were in quarantine. Then the special teamers do, got do, out. Do we know if and then all the rest of the do we know if South Carolina? There. Do we know if South Carolina could do special teams? Because <laughs> I believe it was a special teams play that that ended the game last night because it was a punt. South Carolina had a chance to to potentially score and win the game, except the punt hit one of the South Carolina players, a freshman who earlier had uh, had been burned for yep. a touchdown who maybe wouldn't have been in the game if the veteran he replaced had been in the game. We still don't exactly know why he wasn't. And so, I mean, it's just it was one of those games where it felt like the last mistake loses mm-hmm. and South Carolina made the last mistake. Now, can I, can I make a suggestion in this weird year of COVID where you're, you need to be personnel flexible? Did you see Henry Tooto setting up his blocks <laughs> on that pick six? That dude needs to play some tight end too. I think he find be a game. way to get him he the ball. Game. He played running back in high school, and he at one point uh, broke his foot before the state championship game. Played anyway. Uh, they tried not to overuse him because they knew how valuable he was, and they tried to kind of ride that balance. But in big games, they handed the dude the ball, and, and he did not look uh, uncomfortable with the ball in his hand. A, a pretty big debut for a guy that I think will have a case as, as you know one of the best, if not the best, linebacker in the SEC by season's end. Yeah, he looked fantastic, and I thought Tennessee's offensive line, when it needed to, got the job done. You know, everybody's going to have their questions about Jarrett Garantano, and and that's just going to continue. But it did feel like Tennessee could run the ball. South Carolina could actually run the ball on occasion. It felt like they, if they could ever just sustain that, you know, get get some of those drives going, that they could actually be pretty good on the ground. But you know, it, both teams were fairly inconsistent offensively, and are going to have to be more consistent if they want to beat the Floridas and the Georgias. Yeah, and I think for Tennessee, that starts with Jarek Garantano, who was good enough to win, but not good enough to make people feel very good around Tennessee. He missed a lot of throws. He probably should have had Tennessee. One of 11 on third downs. Garantano, a big part of that. You know, Tennessee is, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to learn that much about them next week, but when you go to Georgia, that's when that's when you know, okay, how good are you really? They'll, they'll, Georgia will show you, I think. And, you know, Tennessee, they got to just take care of business against against Missouri. If they don't, then certainly all those uh, questions from the offseason will come rushing back. But, you know, especially considering all that went against Tennessee in, in preseason camp, you know, they got to feel pretty good um, about getting away with an SEC road win. No such thing as a bad win on the road, even for Georgia. Well, that's a bad <laughs> one on the road. Uh, sorry. You know, when you have to yank your starting quarterback and, and you still can't run the ball, that, that that's troubling for Georgia. But it's the first game with a new offense when they had no spring practice, when the quarterback they thought was going to be their starter opted out a few weeks ago. So I'm, I'm willing to give them a pass because, look, they may go blow Auburn off the field and we're like, oh, I don't know what we're worried about. So that's, that's the thing. This is the week of overreactions. This is the week where we go, LSU is not good, and how did we ever think that they'd be able to turn around and and still be good after losing all that talent? And I I would say, look at what happened yesterday in the second half. That offense finally woke up, and no, the defense couldn't stop (laughs) K.J. Costello. Derek Stingley was out. That's probably not an excuse for giving up that many yards. But 
LSU's offense did start to come around. It started to look like they, they started to click a little bit. So I don't think LSU's a lost cause, but I am a little concerned if they can't stop a team that they know is throwing the ball. Mississippi State, I think, ran for nine yards. Mm-hmm. So you know they're throwing the ball and you still can't stop them. you got to get that fixed. Can I be honest for a second? You need some new college gear. That shirt you have, that one you know you bought freshman year, it's got holes in it. The collar's a little bit uh, frayed. Uh, you can barely even read what school you're actually uh, rooting for. It's not getting the job done. Its best days are behind it. But the good news is, if you check out our new sponsor, Homefield, your best days are ahead of you. The most comfortable vintage college apparel brand that you will ever find. You can dig through their archives find a design that that you like. They've got 90 schools already. They're already adding schools all the time. If they don't have your school, they're probably trying to get licensed for them right now. So show some school spirit for your favorite team or your alma mater. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use code SEC for 20% off your first purchase. College football is coming back. You better wear a shirt that makes you sure that you know that that's the case. That's homefieldapparel and use code SEC. 20% 20% off your first purchase today. Yeah, they're going to they're going to face better uh, you know, skill position talent uh, as a whole than than they saw from Mississippi State. Now, Andy, how much over the last 10 or 15 years have you heard the air raid won't work in the SEC argument? I've heard it, but I was covering Florida as a beat writer when Urban Meyer came, and everybody said, well, you know, his offense isn't going to work against SEC defenses. I'm like, you know he gets to do it with SEC players, right? <laughs> That's the difference. He's not bringing Utah's players with him, although Alex Smith would have been nice to bring along. But, you know, that's the part people don't understand. I kept telling everyone, this is the most talented team that Mike Leach has ever coached. Mm-hmm. More talented than any Texas Tech team more talented than any Washington State team. Mike Leach never had dudes on the D-line like this. You know, Hercules Mata'af is playing in the NFL right now, but he was a 245-pound defensive tackle at Washington State. Miss, uh, Mississippi State has legit dudes, and if you look, look, at, look at when LSU was trying to come back in the fourth quarter, they were putting Miles Brennan on his back. That's the part that's different. That's what makes the air raid more dangerous in the SEC is that they might have the defensive talent on the other side of the ball to actually stop you. Yeah. I think, you know, when that conversation comes up, I'm not a guy who believes it won't work, but I, I probably am a guy who I'm not sure that we're ever going to see a pure air raid like that. And I think it's important to make a distinction between what Mike Leach does, which is an actual hard disdain for the running game and what guys like Dana Holgerson, like Lincoln Riley, like some of his other guys do, where they, they aren't quite as committed to throwing the ball every time. Leach, Leach swears he doesn't hate the run game. Well, he says he can you, swear all he wants. Leave enough the numbers space in the box, lie, he'll hand the off. The numbers don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, I, I know. And Now, I'm curious because you know, in the in the Pac-12, Washington always had their number. Washington always stopped them. Washington always had more talent than they did, and Washington always found a way to shut them down. I get the sense that that's probably what Alabama will be able mm-hmm. to do, but if LSU can't do it, then everybody else who's not Alabama or maybe Georgia with their defense is going to have a hard time slowing that offense. Yeah, down. I think that's right. 
and that's where I kind of stay. I, I think, uh, you know, obviously Mike Leach's name was, you know, he got in the mix at Tennessee in that 2017 search, and my thought was always, well, they're probably going to win eight or nine games every year, but that's not what Tennessee hires coaches to do. But Mike Leach at Mississippi State has always made sense because I don't know, you know, is he going to go to a bowl game for the next 10, 15 years, however long he's in Mississippi State? I don't know about every year, but most years I would bet that. You know, if you give him a competent quarterback, they're going to have some players and they're going to be able to move the ball and beat some teams. And I think yesterday reminded me a little bit of, you know, when Texas and Oklahoma were ruling the Big 12, Texas Tech was the only team that could consistently knock them down a peg or two. And they always played above their heads. And, and that looked a lot like what I saw uh, on Saturday. Yeah, it's a, it's a Mike Leach team out punching its mm-hmm. weight, which is what Mike Leach teams do. And that's really what you should aspire to at Mississippi State because that's not a place where you can win the SEC West regularly or you can compete for national titles regularly. But it is a place where if you out punch your weight, you could have a hell of a lot of fun. And I think they realized that when Dan Mullen was there that, look, you know, Maybe it's not in the cards to win a national title here, but ten win seasons are are a lot of fun. You know, it's it's a very enjoyable to watch those. So they may be in a situation where they can they can make that happen again. But uh, LSU has got to shore up that defense, or or this could get worse. I, I do think their offense started to look a little better in the second half, like sort of like Georgia's mm-hmm. did. You know, it was okay. Now we get what we're doing here. And I think I think that that changes a lot. So, which one of these games, David, do you think we're going to overreact to the most? Oh, I'm going to say I guess probably LSU and Mississippi State. I think people might be saying, "Oh, LSU, they're going to be five and five, four and six now. They're really going to fall from from the the heights of the heights." And Mississippi State, can anybody stop them? Can anybody stop them? Uh, some teams are probably going to be able to stop them. <laughs> I think I think that 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 we'll see. Um, but that was, um, you know, that was fun to watch and, uh, 16 point underdog props to them for, for pulling that out. Eddie, before we close, we got to sort of ask the big question. You watch Georgia, you see them struggle, you see them turn it on a little bit late. If you're Florida or Tennessee and you're watching that, how do you feel? Is that, is that a fluke and they figured it out and they're going to be fine or, is that door pretty open? And is this the year that, that Florida or Tennessee might be able to squeeze through? I think if you were Jeremy Pruitt or Dan Mullen and you've had to recruit against Georgia these past few years, you're going, let me see him against Auburn before I make any final decisions about what this actually means. Because if they get everything straightened out and they, they play Auburn and they beat them, I don't think you feel a whole lot more confident than you, than you would have before. But if it's going to be that disjointed offensively, if they're going to struggle to run the ball like that, yes, absolutely. The rest of the East suddenly feels like it has a chance. And and Florida's, you know, if you watch that Ole Miss game, offensively, Florida looked great. But we know Ole Miss's defense doesn't quite have the personnel to hold up right now. Florida's defense gave up a lot. Now, they were missing some guys, and, and I think they're going to get them back next week in South Carolina. So we'll see how different they look when they have the, the full complement. But, you know, and, and this offense was a mystery right up until Lane Kiffin popped the hood on it right, after, right before the game. So maybe with a week of tape on Mike Bobo's offense in South Carolina, they look a little bit different. But you know, that, that part about Florida did concern me because 
I don't know that they're used to giving up that many points. But the, the other part of it is I do think Florida will be able to score that many points this year. And that that's if you're if you're a Georgia fan, that's the part you worry about, because you mentioned it earlier in the show. You can't just win 2017 games in the SEC now. You have to be able to win both ways. Look at Alabama. Look at the way they've evolved over the mm-hmm. years. They can beat you 45 to 40, or they can beat you 20 to 17, depending on what they need. Well, if you are going to beat Florida this year, you may need, you may need to be able to win a 40 to 38 game. And that's where Georgia's got to get itself before they have to play Florida. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Andy, what did you make of our – I did not vote in the SEC poll this week or this year. I, I never have. I usually do it during media days, and I'm just busy. What did you make of Florida being uh, picked to win the league 53 out of 96 first-place votes? Uh, I I think it's a defensible take, but I thought we'd have like 80% Georgia, 20% Florida. That, 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 that distribution caught me by surprise. I was a little surprised too because I've, I've said – Time and time again, I will pick Florida once I see them beat Georgia. I need to see it. Because just think of the last couple meetings. Like last last year, that game, it was a one-possession game that did not feel close at all mm-hmm. late in the game. And that that's the part that where it, it felt like the talent gap was showing. But when you think about it, it's a one-possession game. One turnover changes everything. So I, I see where some of our, our brethren are coming from. I just feel like I need to see it first. Now, if Georgia goes and plays Auburn and Auburn rolls, then I may <laughs> I may be open to uh, to new interpretation. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just want to see Georgia in game two in that offense. You know, does Stetson Bennett start this time? It, it certainly seems like he's earned earned a shot to do that. Uh, can they run the ball against Auburn? That's that's one thing. Kentucky had a little bit of success early. And then very little success much later in the game. And that concerns you watching Georgia, because if they can't run it on Auburn like that, I I don't know that the pass game is going to bail them out. Mm-hmm. Well, Andy, this is going to be a whole lot of fun, because every week, ball games, we're going to learn a lot. All due respect to the Citadel, they don't teach us much about teams. And uh, it's exciting, and it is fun every single week. We're going to see some heavyweight fights, and we are going to be here Monday every day or every week. Myself, Andy Staples, talking about the weekend in the SEC. Again, if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, you should do that. Subscribe at theathletic.com backslash grits. You can read Andy's stories on Auburn and Kentucky. Myself on the Vols. Josh Kendall on South Carolina. And you can listen to the show ad-free. Again, theathletic.com backslash grits. Thanks for listening. Andy, any parting thoughts before we uh, give way to Aaron Suttles' Tuesday show? I'm ready. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't forget about my man Mac Jones, please, though. Just give, give Mac a chance. We'll see. I'm going to need to see a little more from Mac before I'm a Mac believer. I'm not a, I'm not a Mac hater. I'm a guy that says if Mac has to go up against Clemson or Ohio State, Ah, we'll see. I, I'm a. I, I listen. Max got a little swag to him too, <laughs> and he's got, and he's got Smitty and Jalen Waddle. That helps. And he's got that big old offensive line with Alex Leatherwood and Evan Neal. So let's give Mac a chance. That helps. That helps. Thank you guys. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. Subscribe. 
appreciate it.